Good morning. If you're visiting today, welcome. We're glad that you're here at Sacred Heart, and you are always welcome here. If you are visiting, change you're on vacation. I just got back from a little bit of vacation. Uh, I visited the Midwest for two weeks. Is there anyone here from the Midwest? Thank you for being from the Midwest. <laughs> because uh, the Midwest really has a special place in my heart. Something I love about it is that uh, people there are just so much gentler than they are in the Northeast. I'm sure you're a very gentle person. <laughs> I was in Chicago for the first week. I was visiting some college friends of mine, Ben and Hope. They have little girls of a year and a half. I saw her right after he was born, just before the pandemic. Uh, and I was, at some point on this trip, uh, in Chicago, on a street corner, in the city, and somebody uh, drove by and looked out the window and smiled at me and waved. If you did that in New York City, you would run in the opposite direction. <laughs> and the next week I was in Michigan visiting other college friends, and I borrowed their car for an evening, and it seemed like one of their tail lights was out. And I was at a, at a light, and somebody about my age just rolled down this window, just to let me know that I had a tail light out. The New York State thing is the only people who let me know that <laughs> But I've heard people from the Northeast express this kind of suspicion about that behavior in Midwestern people. That can't be real. It must be masking something. That friendliness must be because deep down these people are really aggressive. And they've covered up their aggression with this kindness. Because there's something about us that can't bear the thought that there would be people around us who are actually kind and gentle. And a lot of times what we end up doing is we start to apply this suspicion we have about the behavior of people around us to God. And we start to think, well, maybe God can't really be as good as we have heard that he is. And this happens especially when people hear about the miracle of the loaves and the fishes. That Jesus has five loaves and two fish, and with it feeds 5,000, at least 5,000 people. And starting in the 1800s, there was an explanation of this passage became more and more common, especially uh, from scripture scholars in Germany. And the, the explanation of this passage goes something like this. Jesus didn't really multiply all of those loaves and feed 5,000 people. That's physically impossible. And Jesus wouldn't do something that was physically impossible. Rather, what happened that those 5,000 people each brought with them a loaf of bread, and they hid it in their sleeves. <laughs> and they were prompted by Jesus to bring out their loaf of bread and share it with the people around them. And that was the miracle. Now that's lovely, but it's not what's in the text. What's in the text is that Jesus multiplied five loaves and fed at least 5,000 people with it. He performed a supernatural miracle. He made, out of this substance, bread, more than there was. That's not a power that we have. 
But we do this often. We think it's about our own lives. Does God really love me? Can He really see goodness in me? With my history and my past, does He really want to join me in my suffering? Maybe He's good to other people, but not to me. I don't think He can really look at me and see His goodness. We have this phrase, too good to be true. When do we use a phrase like that? It's when somebody says that they have something good, something that's apparently good, but it seems so unrealistic that we suspect they're deceiving us, that there's some apparent good that's not actually good, or they're claiming to have a good that they don't really have. But we have in the Catholic philosophical tradition, I'm going to give you a lot of philosophy for a Sunday morning. It's going to be okay, you're going to survive. Uh, this tradition of talking about goodness and truth as the phrase is convertible. It's not the car you drive past with the hood down. Uh, it means they're interchangeable, or in a certain way, they're identical. So anytime something is growing in goodness, it's also growing in truth. And as much as it has goodness, it also has truth. And we say this about a couple of different things, about goodness and truth, St. Thomas Aquinas says. It's also true of a quality that he calls one. So when we say, I believe in one God at Mass, we are also saying, I believe in a good God. And the fact that goodness and truth are interchangeable means that while when it comes to people, there is such a thing as something being too good to be true, this is not the case with God. Because He is infinitely good, and God is the truth. He's the only truth on which our life rests. If we build our life on anything else, we're going to be anxious and insecure. And Jesus worked this miracle changing bread into more bread, to prepare his disciples, to prepare us for something else. Because if we weren't ready to accept the fact that Jesus, true God and truly human, could make bread into more bread, how would we ever accept the reality that Jesus had the power to make bread into his body and his blood, and to feed us, the people he loves, with himself, out of a tender care and concern for us exactly as we are. We can wonder over and over again to ourselves, am I good? Can God really see goodness in me, his goodness? And what Jesus says, when he feeds us with the Eucharist, what he says to me and to every one of you is, yes. Yeah.